Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. This is our preview of what is, without a doubt, the biggest match of the season. And I'm joined by a guest to help me out with that. He has been a great contributor to ForzaNapoliPress.com, despite being a Juventino. Jura Van Royer, welcome to ForzaNapoli. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me. And uh, it will be a pleasure to look to this great match together. Absolutely. And the pleasure is all mine. So as I said, we are going to preview that big match on Friday between Napoli and Juventus. First in the league versus second in the league. Top of the table versus top of the second half table, as some newspapers have been reporting. No matter what happens in this match, it will have serious implications for the Scudetto race. If Napoli win, then we'll remain at least seven points clear of Milan and 10 points clear of Inter, while Juve would also fall 10 points behind Napoli. However, if Juve win, then Milan and Juve could be as close as four points back and Inter seven points back. And even if this match results in a draw, then Milan could still reduce the gap to five points. So no matter what the outcome is here, it will have serious implications on the Scudetto race. Of course, there's still the entire second half of the season. So nothing will be decided in this match, but it really does feel like a really critical point in the season. So there's plenty on the line. Now, I want to start with the first half of the season, which has been a pretty wild ride for Juventini. Through the first nine rounds of the season, Juve dropped 14 points with draws to Sampdoria, Roma, Fiorentina, and Salernitana. 
and losses to Monza and Milan. And to make matters worse, Juve lost five out of six matches in the group stage of the Champions League. Yara, why did Juve have such a dreadful start to the season? Well, of course, Juve have not been very lucky with injuries. One of the big names that returned to uh, Torino was Paul Pogba, of course. But he almost immediately got injured in the first friendly match that they played on the USA Tour. Of course, they still also had to deal with the injury of Federico Chiesa, who tore his ACL against Roma in the in the last season. And yeah, it was kind of a, like a rusty start of the season already. The preseason, it was not. Uh, of course, there was not a lot of money to invest, so Juventus had to get really creative. A lot of the money went to Pogba, but also to Bremer, who was a good addition because, of course, they sold the Licht. But already when the, before the season started, there was not a very positive feeling amongst Juventini. Of course, Di Maria also came, which was a, a great addition, but it was also needed as Paolo Dybala left the club. And there was not a lot of creativity last year. And imagine taking Paolo Dybala out of a side that already struggles with, with creativity. But the preseason results were already not very, very good, which, of course, doesn't have to indicate anything. But last year was also not Juventus' strongest year. So there was a, some pressure on, on the whole club to now perform from the start this season. And like I told you, we started the season with Alexandro and Danilo as, as fullbacks, basically, or Cuadrado. And that was already quite a worry for Juventini as last season. It was already quite evident that they were not going to last very long in those positions, at least, especially uh, Alexandro, of course. So, yeah, it was a very tough first half of the season. Juventus massively struggled. Like, they really, really, really struggled to create anything in these matches. Of course, it started well against Sassuolo with the Di Maria show, uh, with the great folly that he scored. He seemed more vulnerable to injuries than they hoped. And the creativity issue that there was last year already returned immediately. And also there was a lot of defensive instability because Alexandro and Danilo are just not the best fullbacks. And when you put Cuadrado there, you have more creativity in the attacking part. But defensively, of course, Cuadrado is not the best. So what basically happened was that even if Juventus would go ahead and score a goal, they would crawl back into their shell and kind of just wait for the opponent to flood them over and, and get a result. And I think one of the worst moments in the season was, of course, Monza. Monza won their first game in, in Serie A against Juventus, and it was totally deserved as well. Juventus had no right to even get anything in that match. And the fact that Allegri survived that point in the season is still very crazy to me. I get that his salary was so big that they could not really fire him. But to have your coach still there when you're eighth in the league and you just lost to Monza and you were, we, we were already out, we were almost out of the Champions League at that point, I think. That was a massive, massive, massive down point in the season. And surprisingly, not that was not very far away from the changing point. But Juventus came from really far this season. I've talked about the sort of management issues in previous episodes. Last season, I had Carlo Garganeza on to talk about all of the issues with the, I guess, now previous management that that all resigned. Earlier this season, I did an episode on the whole Prisma investigation, and, and that's still ongoing. But one of the things that came out of all of that is the financial mismanagement of the club, just the amount of money that Exor has had to inject into the club to keep it going. It seems like that's 
started to catch up with the club. And even when I spoke to Anthony Privetera on our Inter preview episode, it was kind of a similar challenge that Inter are going through, which is that when the club is struggling financially, that really limits what you can do in terms of bringing in talent, right? Which then, of course, has a direct impact on the play on the pitch. So not that Juve didn't bring in great players. I mean, Bremer was a fantastic sign. He's had a few injuries here and there, but it seems like he's going to be a good player for a while. Di Maria, when he plays, has been fantastic, right? He's been, and to your point, like he provides that creativity that's missing. The problem is... He just hasn't played enough. He's another player. And that to me is on management as well, where, yeah, he's a great player, but it's a risk you're taking when you're bringing in a guy at that age. The chance of him getting injured is higher. And then there was also this kind of feeling of whether Di Maria was just coming in because he needed a place to prepare for the World Cup. He went on to win the World Cup. What does that mean in terms of his future? Does does he care that much? I'm inclined to think he does. These are, I always lean towards the players caring because they're super competitive, ultra competitive. So whether it's the World Cup or Serie I have to think that he still does care. But again, that age is, is a bit of an issue. As you mentioned, through the first nine rounds, Juve were sitting eighth in the table, 10 points behind Napoli at the top. And as you also kind of alluded to, most Juventini wanted Allegri to get the sack. He did have some defenders who held out, and and they're looking uh, pretty smart right now. Which side were you on at the time? Did were you Allegri out? I must say that I was, but I already had my doubts last year because last year it was already very. I don't know. I think that Juventus, they might not have the best squad. Like, they might have a worse squad than in the years before. But I I always like to take uh, Pioli's Milan as an example because there are some mediocre players in that Milan team as well. But Pioli, he takes a positive look on the field. He takes a positive way of playing. And I think Allegri kind of used last year the, the, the squad, the thin squad, as an excuse to play very negatively, to sit back a lot and to play very reactionary football which I'm just not a fan of. But then again, he's on a massive salary and Juventus just right now cannot afford to have him on a payroll while having another manager as well. And especially after that Monza loss, I was really, really done with it. I was like, I want to go to next season with a different manager, with a different everything. And no, I was definitely, definitely Allegri out while I also kind of knew that it wasn't going to happen. Because you have to be realistic in, in those moments as well. Allegri is a man with a big name. He has proven himself as a, as a manager. And the Juventus board were already very chaotic at that point. So they probably could not use the search for a new manager as well. They probably could not use everything that sacking Allegri would, would bring with it. It is very logical that they did not sack him. But as a football lover, I wanted to see him see him gone. And especially when you look at how the other teams play in the league. Most teams at the top of the table play pretty positive football, positively minded football. Unfortunately, we do not. And I wanted that to change, but you have to admit that it was not very easy to make that change. But I, yeah, I was, I was an agree out like many others. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not really typical for Juventus to change manager mid season, right? Like as thinking back, it seems like they generally allow the manager to to ride out the season before they replace him, you know, just recently with Pirlo and Sadi. 
No, definitely. And even those sackings came as quite big surprises as well, because Sadi, of course, he won the league. And I kind of enjoyed the football on the Sadi. I, I get that like he was not the kind of person that fits Juventus on the sidelines. But I really enjoyed his football and it was a, a positive change for me. And Pirlo, of course, won the, the Coppa Italia. He ended the season very positively. And you could see in both instances that there was a lot of support for the managers to continue. Even though under Pirlo at some point, I was also wondering, like, what am I even watching? Is there a game plan? Something that I have a lot with Allegri as well. What is even the plan? What are we even trying to do here? But no, it's it's not... Most of the time, the managers get a lot of time, which is uh, something very uh, Juventus-wise. But also, it has to do with Juventus being very a very calm club in terms of management. Not right now, of course, but in the past, you always had the had the idea that everything was well organized at Juventus, almost not Italian-like. And now, of course, it was way way more chaotic these past few months, and it kind of would have fit in to sack Allegri with all the chaotic stuff surrounding surrounding Juventus at that point. But the club stayed kind of true to what they're known for. And it seems like for sure he's going to finish the season. And I am pretty confident that he will stay beyond that as well. If he w- will renew his contract, I don't know. But I feel like he has a lot of credit. And right now, John Elcon, the CEO of Exor, is of course the big man behind the scene at Juventus with all the board sackings. And he is quite a fan of Allegri. He has kind of given Allegri the keys to the house and he he trusts him. So I think it may have seemed at one point that Juventus was very close to sacking Allegri, but I am really wondering in reality how close we, we really were. Because like you said, it's not something the club does very often and the results were bad, of course. But I think a lot has to happen at the club, Juventus to sack their manager mid-season. Yeah, it seems like things sort of really began to unravel when Marotta left and then it started to spiral from there. But I agree. And actually now it seems like Allegri might have even more power because he didn't see eye to eye with Nedved. And now with that entire board and management resigning, he really does sort of hold the keys (laughs) uh, or hold all the cards at Juventus. But I guess from a Juventino perspective, maybe it was a good thing that Juve didn't sack him because the Bianconetti have really turned things around ever since that loss to Milan. Eight consecutive victories, eight consecutive clean sheets. Perhaps some of the Allegri detractors are now back to supporting him. I think some people still probably don't like him. But you know what has changed with Juventus after that loss to Milan to go on this incredible run? Well, it kind of started in the in the Derby della Mole against Torino when Allegri finally seemed to see the light and switched to the three at the back formation. I don't want to give myself any credit, but in preseason, I remember I posted a thread on Twitter saying that I think Juventus should play a formation with three players at the back because they're simply not the players. They simply don't have the fullbacks. And because of the, the issues uh, higher up at the club, they were not going to bring in any fullbacks. And then they got Cambiasso in the summer, but they immediately sent him out alone to Bologna, which was kind of a weird decision to me. But for me, it kind of was the confirmation that we were going to play three at the back. But we, in fact, did not. We started the season with four at the back. Like I told you, uh, a lot of the time, Bonucci and Bremer, essentially Danilo right, Alexandro left, or Quadrado on the right. But against Torino, we saw, saw a different team. We saw three players at the back, five in the, in the midfield and two up top, which basically 
it worked a lot better. Juventus won that match. It was not very easy, but Vlaovic scored the winner, of course, in that one. And that kind of started the revolution of Juventus, in Serie A at least, because they still lost against Benfica and, and Paris Saint-Germain afterwards. But it went a lot better because the 3-5-2 also allowed Allegri to put in some younger players like Miretti, who could bring creativity into that side as well. Like in a 3-5-1-1 formation that they played against Paris Saint-Germain, I believe that it was still one of the best matches that, that Juventus played this season. After the match, you finally could feel proud to be a Juventus supporter again because they really showed desire to win something which was not seen in a long time. And... The three at the back formation also has enabled Danilo, especially Danilo, to really flourish and turn into one of the, the best centre-backs in the league, probably. We already knew that Danilo could play centre-back, but we did not know that he had the potential to be the leader of this Juventus, to lead this Juventus revolution, because he is kind of the face of that turnaround, of that upwards progression of the team and that is not something a lot of people would have thought probably and like I texted you last week as well I am even cheering for Alexandro because he is doing a great job at centre-back something that when I first saw it I was like why is he playing centre-back but now I am cheering for the Brazilian back three of, of uh, Alexandro, Bremen and Danilo and I think the turnaround really was the switching from four at the back to three at the back of course, it still was not amazing at that point because there were still some injuries. Di Maria still injured. At one point, Vlaovic got injured. But Moise Keane also started scoring again. He also started picking things up again. So Allegri kept the trust in the players. He did not make any crazy throw-around changes. He just did logical stuff. He just put the players where they perform best and made the lo most logical lineup, which led to Milik, Moisekin, Miretti, Fagioli. Really, they really made them flourish. And of course, Rabiot as well. That has been one of the craziest turnarounds as well because Rabiot, there was no way that Juventus was going to renew his contract at the start of this season because he is on a lot of money, most in the whole squad. He's on more salary than Vlaovic. But now, Juventus really, really, really don't want to lose him after a very strong first half of the season. And, of course, a strong World Cup as well. So it's very, very crazy what has happened. Because if you look at Juventus, the games, sometimes you still want to crawl your eyes out. When I watch Juventus Cremonese, when I watch Juventus Udinese, I am still very much seeing the same Juventus as I saw before they started winning. But the thing is now, there is much more defensive stability and People can take ugly football if they win, if the team win. And that is exactly what's happening right now. It is still awful football, still very negative reactionary football. But in this formation, Allegri is getting the best out of his players and he is doing enough to win. Corto Muso, they say. <laughs> yeah, that's that's his, his line that he'll always be remembered for. Rabiot is an interesting one because he was on the verge of leaving, right? Was it Manchester United that he was linked to? Um, yes. So those are the two changes that I kind of picked up on as well. Switching the back four to the back three. We definitely have to give Allegri credit for that, even though fans like you and many others actually really wanted to see that back three in the first place. And then, as you mentioned, that allowed him to play some other players, some of these youngsters like Miretti. You mentioned Fagioli, Sule. Miretti and Sule are only 19 years old. Fagioli only 21. So this is 
unheard of, not just for Allegri, just, you know, Italian football in general has always been very cautious with their youngsters. Now, I don't know how much credit we want to give Allegri for that because in a way he was sort of forced to play these guys because of all of the injuries at Juventus. We'll talk more about that in part two, but they have been fun to watch. I mean, you can see they're not the finished articles. They're going to make mistakes. They have plenty to learn. That's to be expected at that age, but the raw talent is there and they're creative and they bring a lot of energy. So I'm sure that has been a little bit more fun to watch. I suspect once all the injured players recover, then, you know, if they do recover, because some of these players just keep picking up injury after injury, but for the ones that do recover, then some of these guys will probably be relegated to bench positions. We'll see how Allegri still manages to play them, maybe Coppa Italia or options off the bench when you need to inject some energy and and creativity. They're good guys to have, especially against tired defenders. But again, eight consecutive clean sheets is no coincidence, even though, as you said, it doesn't seem like a whole lot has changed in terms of the playing style. It is a a very negative brand of football, but I, I even hesitate to use the word negative because... Like you said, at the end of the day, the most important stat is winning, right? And so as long as those wins come, maybe a better term is defensive or, you know, catenaccio or whatever. But I think maybe a little bit of the apprehension is because the way these results have been coming, it it feels like it may not be sustainable. I mean, during this run of wins, I think five of them have been 1-0 victories. And, And against teams like, you know, Torino, Lecce, Hellas Verona, Cremonese, Udinese, I think you could argue that even some of those clubs deserve better results than the 1-0 defeats, but despite being 7th in the league in expected goals, despite being 6th in the league in expected goals against, 6th in the league in expected goal difference, which is just the other two combined, you've are second in the table, so it's really hard to argue with that. Ironically, Juve's best results have been against the top clubs, you could probably say Inter probably deserved to win that match as well, but it was a 2-0 win, not 1-0. 3-0 win over Lazio. So Juve are getting it done. And the thing is, you know, if you asked any Serie A fan before the season started, would you be okay playing defensive football and eking out 1-0 wins knowing that it would result in winning a Scudetto? I think probably 100% of them would say, where do I sign up? I don't care how I get a Scudetto. I can tell you for sure, Napoli fans, and maybe some might disagree with me, but I don't believe it, but a promise of Scudetto, I don't care how we play. Even if we have to line up 10 guys on the goal line and then leave a prima punto, (laughs) if that got us a Scudetto, then I'd be totally fine with playing that way. So, you know, how do you, Ventini, feel about this? You touched on it a little bit, but... Has that style of play become more acceptable given the positive results? I think it has also become more acceptable seeing where Juventus comes from at the start of the season. It became very clear to a lot of a lot of Juventus fans that they were not going to see the champagne football that they see in the Premier League or in the Champions League. And at a certain point, you could just sense that Juventus fans only wanted to see one thing again, and it was their team win. In what way, they, they don't care. A lot of fans also like they put energy out of the fact that the Juventus came back from behind a couple of times before. They kind of see, they recognize, oh, we have done this before. We are Juventus. We can do this. It has kind of created a, a family bond where where people just before matches say like, I don't care how we win. We will scrape this one no win against Cremonese. I don't care. I don't mind. And 
I think that's pretty funny because, you know, it went from last season and the results were at the end of the season, they were good as well. But the style of play was not very, very interesting to a lot of people. So people were like, oh, we want to see better football. And now it's just people we want. I want to see my club win again. And I can guarantee you that as well as a Napoli fans, Juventus fans also really do not care how this Scudetto will be won. If they can win it, of course, they will not hesitate a single second to say if we win everything 1-0 till the end, then we'll just, they will immediately accept that deal. They will be like, where can I sign? And I think why Juventus' biggest results came against teams that are on top of the table is because Juventus like to give the opponent the ball and sit back and wait for these opportunities to strike. And especially against a team as, as Inter and a possession-based team as, as Lazio. Um, they could really flourish on the counter-attacks. And as especially that is exactly what happened because, of course, against Inter, you had Kostic with the run and uh, Fajoli finishing it off. Those teams kind of exactly played how Juventus wanted them to play. And when they play a lesser opponent, like I remember Hellas Verona very vividly, Verona gave us the ball which Juventus really struggle with if they have to create stuff themselves, if it's from their own strength. I think the goal came from a counter and Moisekin finishing it off. So Juventus fans, they don't mind this, but of course there's still a lot of, uh, a lot of not hatred towards uh, Allegri, but people are really still like, is this, for this season it is fine, but in the following seasons, people are, are not very happy to watch more of this football because it is just not very enjoyable football. Personally, I always, I watch, of course, every Juventus match, but I love to watch Napoli or Milan or Inter just to see a different style of football. And then I remember why I love watching football again, because if I watch Juventus, I just watch a team that, that sit back for 90 minutes. And if you win against Inter, that, that's fine. Then I'm very happy. Then I rewatch the match as well. But if a Milik free kick is everything you get against Cremonese, <laughs> then... Uh, that is, of course, not very, very enjoyable. So this is in, in Syria, it's, it's sustainable for a couple of seasons, probably. But we've already seen that in, in Europe, you won't be among the best with this style of play. Benfica, I think Benfica away was one of the most embarrassing matches for Juventus this season because they were, it was like it was a training match for Benfica. And Juventus were playing in the, it were three at the back as well in this match. There were a lot of injuries, but it was like there was no opponent on the field for Benfica. And of course, they came back. They took back three goals in that match as well, but they still lost. And we can kind of already see that in, in Europe, it's not sustainable. And in the league, it might be. But Juventus fans, they have big ambitions. Of course, they want to see their side win in Europe as well. And I doubt whether with this style of play, that is going to be possible. Yeah, generally, that more positive, free-flowing, attacking football does, does better against the European clubs, which is why Napoli have had success this season in the Champions League. You mentioned Moise Kane and Arkadouj Milik as guys that have stepped up in the last few rounds. We could probably put Gatti in that category as well. On Sunday, Federico Chiesa came off the bench and just made a beautiful play to set up the game-winning goal. In theory, you would assume that this team will only get better as these players start coming back from injuries. Is there any concern that that could disrupt sort of a good thing that's going on right now or is the consensus generally you know let's get these guys back like it's great that players have stepped up to get results but we need these guys back if we really want to have a make a run at the Scudetto 
as much as I criticize Allegri, for example, I think he's going to be really good in, in managing this particular thing because we've had Federico Chiesa back for a while now and he's been pushing for a place in the starting lineup. And when he comes on, you can really see that he, he is ready, but he does not really fit into a 3-5-2 because can he play striker alongside a static player like, like Milik, for example? I think he could, but Allegri thinks otherwise, and he prefers Di Maria alongside one of the strikers, which is fair enough. But Chiesa is also not a left wing back or a right wing back, so it's really, really interesting how he's kind of using Federico as as a super sub at this point with his explosiveness and what he can bring late on in the match. He did it against Paris Saint Germain as well. Of course, he was a handful for defenders in that match, but he did not really have a particular position. So I think Allegri is going to be the right person to manage this. Even if he had Vlaovic, I know we're going to talk about injuries later, but Vlaovic is still not there. But he does not really mind Allegri. He thinks the team is set up right right now. And he, he would not change that just because a certain name returns to the side. Look at Bonucci. Bonucci is not coming into the starting lineup even if he was available. I think Allegri will do a fine job in this because he he knows how to manage these characters. He, he's he been in the game for a while and he's not going to be pressurized by fans into using these big names. I think he loves Pogba, but if he, he feels like Pogba is not going to fit into the side straight away, then he's not going to put him in straight away. I'm pretty certain of, of that fact. And I think a lot of fans also see this. They see that Allegri, he knows what he's doing. He might not put the flashy players in, but he knows exactly what he wants from everyone. And I think the Juventus side will only continue to get stronger when the injured players return. Because, of course, you get a, a bigger squad. The squad right now is not, not thin, but sometimes they have to get a little bit creative at the back and, and up top as well. But I think there are some creative players that, that are returning soon, which is only going to help Juventus also because they're quite dependent on individual skill and individual class, especially when you're holding up. It's like nil-nil till very late. You need a free kick for Milik, for example, or you need, like you said, a beautiful control by Federico Chiesa to assist Danilo against Udinese. That is something that Juventus is only going to get better in because they just are getting big names back who bring needed quality and creativity. Yeah, even if those guys don't go straight into the starting 11, it's still useful to have them as as options off the bench, especially in those nil-nil matches where you need to change something up and insert a little creativity or a spark of energy or, or whatever it might be. Okay, that will do for part one. In part two, we'll start with an update on all of those injured players. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to part two of the Farts Anopoly podcast. If you like the show, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash Farts Anopoly pod. It's entirely voluntary. There are no set tiers, but it does help us to continue to produce content both on the podcast and at our website at fartsanopolypress.com. Okay, so let's go on to Yuva's injuries. 
Yoda, you've been dealing with a number of injuries throughout this season, which I guess in a way makes you know the current place in the table even more impressive. It might take you a little bit of time, but can you give us a, an update on all of Juve's injuries? Uh, yes. So let's start with the players that are not even close to a return yet. Caio George, he's not anywhere near near a return yet. He's also not of added value really to the squad. If he returns, he will join the, the guys of the next gen, the under-23s. Quadrado, I have not heard anything about him in the past few days, so I expect him to be out for a while. Matia de Siglio, I don't really know where he is. Not really anything heard from him, same as, as Quadrado. So also probably a reason why Juventus will stick to the 3-5-2 for a while. Not a lot of fullbacks available. And now we're getting into the interesting part, of course. Paul Pogba and uh, Dusan Vlaovic. Uh, yesterday, Juventus surprisingly posted a, a, a video of, of Paul Pogba controlling a ball in like a like a small match, a, a small matchup at the, at the training that he was playing there, which surprised a lot of Juventini online. They were like, can someone please check this twice? Is this actually Paul Pogba or do, is this one of his brothers who also play football? Because people were really surprised to see Paul back with a ball on his feet. And today he and uh, Dusan Vlaovic together, they trained with under-23s with the guys of uh, Next Gen who play in Sirici. Of course, we have Rema who missed out against Udinese because he had some muscle fatigue and this is something that happened quite a couple of times already this season like like you mentioned he struggles a bit with a lot of matches that follow each other up closely but he's fit again he's ready Juventus also posted a video from the training center today and we could see that he was wearing some kind of bandage around his knee but I can guarantee you that he will definitely be on the pitch against Napoli from the start Federico Chiesa is up to full speed he can start Will he start? That's a different question. But that also has to do with tactical choices. But he he is ready. He could play. And uh, Di Maria, of course, was taken off early against Udinese. I think uh, just past the hour mark. And first there was some rumors about him going off injured. But this was just also that he could be at his best for Napoli. Because, of course, he just came back from the World Cup. They, they were rushing him. Not rushing him in, but they wanted to bring him in in a safe way because of course they need everyone they have against Napoli and Allegri particularly likes playing Di Maria up top so he just wanted to make sure that Di Maria was going to be ready and the other World Cup player that we had of course was Paredes he has now made two substitute appearances and yeah he, he of course gave like the pre-assist on Chiesa with a, with a great pass against Udinese and uh, yeah he is also is ready to go and I think that's our update Okay, so I mean, all things considered, it's probably the biggest squad that you've have had in a while. If I had to guess, I'd say if we're recording on Wednesday, if Pogba and Vlahovic are training, but training with the next-gen team, I mean, I think at best they might suit up and, and be late substitutes. Sounds like they're probably still a little bit away from playing some meaningful minutes. I mean, even if they were fit to return. You kind of, like we've seen with Keza, you have to sort of reintegrate them back into the squad. But it does seem like Juve are heading in the right direction. The ones I was most curious about which you addressed were Bremer and uh, Di Maria. As far as Napoli injuries go, really the only question mark is Kim Min Jae. As I mentioned in the Sampdoria review episode, he was removed at halftime because his muscle tightened. 
There was no mention of him in the training reports on Monday and Tuesday, nor was he in any of the sort of four or five pictures that they typically include in those training reports. That made me a little bit uneasy, but he was front and center in one of the pictures that was posted on Wednesday's training report. So that leads me to believe that barring a setback in the next day or two, he should be ready for Friday. He also gave an interview with La Repubblica that was published on Wednesday. And in that interview, he talked about the Napoli-Juve rivalry. He said, I have no doubts the Serie A team that I want to defeat are, above all, the Bianconeri. I know that the Napolitano fans don't love them so much. So <laughs> at least he knows to say the right things. Whether I mean, chances are that interview was done before it was published. So I don't think that has any relevance into whether he's going to start this match or not. But I am leaning towards him getting the start so given those injury updates let's move on to starting lineups Yura how do you see Allegri lining up for this match well for sure he's not going to turn away from the 3-5-2 formation and I think we will see a squad that is largely the same to the one that played against Udinese I think Chesney will be in goal I think the the back three will uh, consist of Danilo Bremer and Alexandro of course, Bremer returning to the side. Rugani has been thanked for his services again, and he can be on the bench until the next time he's needed. Uh, his agent also said that Daniela knows that this is his role and that's, that he wants to help Juventus as best as he can. But he's not going to be a starter anymore. He's going to be down the order again. On the midfield, let's start on the right. So we have five midfielders, and I think that McKenny will play here again. Also because McKenny, of course, he's not in the form of his life. But what McKenny can probably do take out his man he can probably follow his man throughout the match which could be crucial you could put him on on Kvaratskelia and he may not offer a lot going forward but if he can just get Kvaratskelia out of the match then that would already be very beneficial for Juventus then in the middle of course we have no doubt Rabiot I think alongside Rabiot we'll see Locatelli and then alongside Locatelli I personally would like to see Vajoli because I think he brings the best out in Locatelli but I think we'll see Paredes because he has made two very strong substitute appearances and Allegri is, is clearly a fan of his. And I think they want to probably want a physical midfield against and against Napoli, against Samboan Guisa, who was very good against Sampdoria, I must say. And then, of course, on the left, we have Filip Kostic, a very, very important part of Juventus especially in the 3-5-2, he, he lost that left midfielder position. And then up top, we will have uh, Di Maria. And instead of Keane, I would say Milik would start because Keane, of course, last match was not his best. He was kind of wasteful with the opportunities, something they cannot really use against Napoli where opportunities will be less than against Udinese, probably. So we need a more... Uh, a striker who, who who needs less opportunities and, and Milik is, is going to be that guy, I think. Uh, so he will be up top with Di Maria. So you have like a static, strong striker and uh, and a creative player that can go anywhere where he, he wants. And that's also why McKennie is useful. McKennie has uh, big lungs. He can cover for Di Maria who might not be able to make the distance. So all things considered, I think that's uh, how Juventus will line up. Yeah, Milik concerns me a little bit, if only because he has some bad blood with the club, or at least the owner of the club. And we don't exactly have a great history with ex-players coming to the Maradona or the San Paolo. And, you know, if if he wants to 
get a promotion in terms of how Napoli fans feel about him, then he just needs to celebrate if he scores, <laughs> and that'll that'll put him at sort of Iguain level. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, a little side question: Would you say that Kostic has been Juve's best player so far this season? He's up there, but he has had matches where he was very invisible as well. I think a player that has, has from a certain point, has always been there is Rabiot. I think he, he deserves a lot of credit. He has got Juventus through a lot of tough times, scoring goals, being everywhere on the field. And of course, probably our most consistent player, because I think that is where Kostic still lacks consistency. I think Danilo has been our most consistent player. I saw that on many forums, he was also voted player of the season, player of the year, because of course, it's we just went on a new year. And I think I would give probably Danilo the credit because he has, probably because he is the face of this Juventus remontada this season. Like, if you think about Juventus now being second, one of the first names that pops up is, of course, Danilo, the, the, the captain. And so I, I would give it to Danilo and Rabio close second, but Kostic is surely up there. He scored a lot of important goals and he provides a lot. Like when Juventus struggle, they can just try to find him in, in the space. You know, he will always fight for every ball. And of course, he was a bargain as well. Juventus did not pay a lot of money for him. I think it was nothing more than 50 million to Frankfurt. And yeah, he, he's been everything that Juventus expected with him and, and probably more as well with some important goals. So yeah, he's definitely a, a pleasant surprise. Yeah, he's another player I'm concerned about, especially because I'm fully expecting that Juve low block and, and counterattack and he's obviously a very key person to that counterattack with the pace that he has on that wing. Let me quickly run through who I think will start for Napoli, which I think I would consider to be our strongest starting 11. I think we'll stick with the 4-3-3 with Alex Medet in goal. Assuming Kim is fit to play, which I think he is, then I think he will line up alongside Amir Rachmani at center back. Giovanni Di Lorenzo will start at right back. Left back can go either way between Matthias Oliveira and Mario Rui. Given how the last two matches went, namely the loss to Inter with Oliveira starting and the win over Sampdoria with Mario Rui starting and getting an important assist, I'm leaning towards Mario Rui to start. I'm really hoping he starts because he provides some much-needed tenacity. That was something we really lacked in the loss to Inter, especially with Cavada getting roughed up a little bit in that match. You know, we needed someone like Mario Rui to get in there. Even though he's a small guy, he's not afraid to get in the face of uh, some of the big center backs and other clubs. In the midfield, I think we'll see Stanislav Lobotka play as the regista. Though Elmas played well against Sampdoria, I'm expecting Piotr Zielinski to return to the starting 11 and play alongside Andre Frank Zambo and Gisa in the midfield. And then up top, I think we'll see Cavara on the left, Matteo Politano on the right, and Victor Osimen at striker. Maybe there's a chance that Chucky Lozano could start on the right wing, but I think Politano played well enough against Sampdoria to earn another start. And also with that Juve low block, I think it's more useful to have a technical player like Politano on the pitch than a speedy player like Lozano. There's not going to be a lot of space out there for Lozano to run into. That's also a reason for Mario Rui starting because Osimen will also have little space to run into, which means his biggest threat will probably be in the air and that's where you want a crosser like Mario Rui on the field okay so last question before we wrap it up how do you see this match playing out like you said I think uh, Juventus will sit back they will give Napoli, Napoli the ball 
they were going to try and, and utilize probably also on Faradskelia's bad form. They're going to probably try and, and get McKenny to take him out of the match. I don't know if that's going to be in the same way as Krinia did, which is kicking him as hard as possible. But that's going to be something they're, they're going to try. And probably Bremer is going to be on Aussie men, also because of the aerial threat, of course. And for Napoli, I think it's crucial to take Di Maria out of the match because he's going to go in between the lines and he's going to try to drag the defender out. He's going to try to do anything to break that Napoli defense, especially on the counter-attack. But I think if you take Di Maria out of the match, then there is not a lot of creativity to this Juventus side. And the Napoli... Juventus might have the best defense in the league, but the Napoli defense is not bad by any means. And if you can take Di Maria out of the game, then you have also taken Milik out of the game because Milik needs someone to provide him with the opportunities, not like Moise Keane, who can probably do some stuff on his own as well with his strength and speed. Milik does not have the same speed and agility as, as Moise. I think that it will be a very close match. Juventus, of course, probably... Could you say that they are in a better form? Results-wise, I would say so, yeah. But play-wise, I don't know. I think Napoli looked looked okay against Sampdoria. Still not the Napoli from before the break, but they were already quite a bit better. So I'm very curious to see how Napoli is going to break that Juventus defense. But I think it will be a close match, and I think it will end in, uh, in a draw. I think a 1-1. Let's stay very minimal here because I don't see Juventus draw like a 3-3 or something. But I can see both teams score, definitely. Very close match and I think a 1-1 draw. Okay, yeah. You know, I'm really struggling with this prediction. I'm definitely expecting a low-scoring result as well because we know how Juve are going to defend and they are very good at that. I mean, what is it? Seven goals all season that have been conceded? You know, so... That's nothing to scoff at. If Spalletti wanted to throw a curveball, I mean, you asked me earlier in the week about Raspadori and how come he's not playing. Maybe he starts Raspadori on the left over Cavada, who, as you said, is a little bit out of form. Personally, I still think Cavada gets the start because especially against that low block, you want creative players that can kind of make something out of nothing or do something unexpected and that suddenly creates space. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Raspadori maybe replaces him around the hour mark and, and plays on the left wing, especially if we need to score. I don't think Spalletti necessarily has any issues with Raspadori. I just think where and when he plays is really situation dependent. So I think I was a little bit surprised that he didn't come off the bench against uh, Sampdoria, but I think we'll definitely get a Raspadori appearance at some point. So given all of the Juve injuries and given that we're playing at a sold out Maradona, I think you probably have to give the edge to Napoli. At least the bookmakers are, you know, odds wise, Napoli are the favorites. I could very easily see a nil nil draw. I could see a one one draw. I could see a one nil win for either side. I'm going to be so bold as to predict a one nil Napoli win and I'll give the goal to Piotr Zielinski, which is not something I should be doing as a Napoli fan predicting the win, but I'm going to do it anyways. (laughs) And like I said, I think we'll need to make use of all of those technical abilities that we have in the squad to get through that Juve block. As I mentioned on the last episode, I think for Napoli to win this match, we'll need to be more clinical than we were in the last two. And I think we'll need to be more solid at the back, especially when defending that uh, counterattack that we talked about. Okay, so that is where we'll leave it. Yoda, thank you so much for uh, speaking with me today. It was a big pleasure. I enjoyed it a lot and uh, also good to finally talk face to face after so many so many messages and 
yeah, enjoy the match if you even can. I probably probably cannot from all the nervous uh, stuff surrounding it, but I mean, let's enjoy the biggest match in Italy at the moment. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to enjoy it at all. The build up during the match, we're going to blow the match, so I'm not going to re- enjoy it afterwards. It's just going to be a dreadful weekend altogether. <laughs> but <laughs> hopefully not. But you can find Yura on Twitter at @onroyyura. Be sure to check out his pieces as well at fortsanapolipress.com, which are fantastic. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fisket D5, and you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon at fortsanapolipod. I will be back next week to review this match, but until then, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli sempre. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.